Morning, everyone. Morning. Going? <laughs> okay. I'll, uh, I'll take that for what it is. Um, it's okay because this morning we're talking about condemnation. Now, just so we're on the same page, condemnation, as Beck has shared, is that expression of strong disapproval or judgment. How do you go with condemnation? Is it a feeling that you're familiar with? I, I know a lot of you who are in this room, and some of you have sensitive consciences. Some of you are painfully aware of the mistakes that you make and your shortcomings. You feel that tension between who you are and who you're called to be. You can remember your mistakes. You have regrets. Part of yourself that you wish was different. You see where you fall short as a Christian, as a parent, in your relationships or at home, in your work or vocation or study, you see where you could be and you know where you actually are. Interestingly, when we come to faith in Jesus, when we get to know who Jesus is and who he created us to be, it sometimes just highlights that difference. It makes it worse. Sometimes we see what we are meant to be and we know that we don't measure up to it. We feel the gap. I was, I was reading a blog post this week. It was a great um, post. It was actually a post on a cantata. Like, I don't know if I say that right because I'm not into classical music. A cantata by Bach. Bach wrote a song on this verse, this single verse that we're going to be looking at this morning, Romans 8 verse 1. Um, I was going to play it for you, but I decided that I knew my audience better, um, and I won't do that for you. But um, I'd like to read to you a couple of things that they said in this blog post. In this life, we are caught between death and life, flesh and spirit, wrath and mercy, law and gospel. Our bodies are dead and dying because of sin. The disease is incurable. Medical science can apply only a band-aid but it cannot reach to the depths of our death. And yet, we are alive in Christ. Like Schrodinger's famous cat, for those who are into physics, we are both dead and alive at the same time. Dead in Adam, alive in Christ. In baptism, God has signed our death certificate and our birth certificate. All that remains for us is to die and rise. The paperwork's already been filled. When God does the feeling, it's a done deal. Filing. Thanks. Um, but no thanks. Did I say I was painfully aware of mistakes? Especially this morning as I've been playing the drums. John is painfully aware that I make mistakes. Let me go on if that's alright, Kerry. I'm just thinking that. I'll say a few things in love. This leaves us in a paradoxical tension between spirit and flesh, righteousness and sin, death and life. We want to do good, but evil lies close at hand. 
The good we want to do, we don't do. The evil we don't want, that's what we do. Our best intentions are a mix of altruism and self-interest. Our most noble acts are filled with noble thoughts. As Luther put it, God must forgive our good works, lest they damn us. Uh, we had our MLT reviews this week. And I love our ministry leaders. We ask for feedback on that. Our, our leaders are generous and hardworking. They're thoughtful. Our ministries are healthy and growing. Our leaders are investing well. And the overwhelming feedback that we got from people is how much you appreciate our leaders. We're really thankful for them. Um, our reviews were overwhelmingly positive. But most of the people at our MLT are people that aware, are aware of their shortcomings. They feel that painfully. Leadership is really tricky. It's a choice to walk into that tension, to say, I'm going to give my shot at doing what is good, knowing that I'll fall short of my vision, knowing that I will sometimes make mistakes. I'll sometimes, um, even though I have a heart and desire to serve God and do good, I won't hear that. As a leader, there's things that you miss, things that you naturally do that you wish you did, or places where you know you could grow. It's one of the hardest things about leadership, I reckon. When you're seeking to do something good and helpful, and you completely mess it up, or you fall short of your ideals, it easily leads into condemnation. Why do I do this? Why didn't I do that? It's something that I'm intimately familiar with as a leader, as I've just shared, because I make mistakes. I try to help people to be a blessing, and sometimes I make things worse and then I curse. Not often. I'm getting better, I'm getting wiser, but it still happens from time to time. I miss things I shouldn't. Uh, yep. I make mistakes. I am me ways that are unhealthy <laughs> and I wish that I wasn't. Oh, I love you too, Kerry. That's the cost. That's the cost of leadership. That's the cost of doing anything worth, worthwhile. If, if you want to avoid facing up to that tension, the only way to do it is to do nothing. And that helps no one. It goes nowhere. God has called us to go forward and lead into his kingdom. Even when we're broken, even when we're in a broken place, God says, come with me, step forward with me, do the good, be a blessing, and learn my ways. Uh, Paul talks about it like this, and we shared this passage already this morning. I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I'm, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, that's what I keep doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Do you feel that tension? Uh, Romans is an incredibly confronting book. That passage that um, the guy shared, that the pastor said to him before they prayed, there is no one righteous, not even one. That is from the introduction to Romans. It talks about the human condition in a 
particularly damning way. It talks about what humanity looks like when we are apart from God. This is what it says. It says, They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also to approve of those who practice them. And it goes on to say, as it's written, there's no one righteous, not even one. No one who understands. No one who sees God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Our series this month is called Unshakable Hope. It's about the unshakable, joyful promises of God. And our promise this morning, God's unshakable promise to you is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I, I want to read to you the whole passage of Romans 8, 1 to 4. It's actually the hinge for the book of Romans. The start talks about the problem that we're in. And at chapter 8, there's this hinge, this term that says, there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the hinge of Paul's theology. It's actually the hinge of the entire story of creation. The gospel of um, Jesus is that through Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation even though we fall short of what we should be. This is the gospel. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Christ, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because what we couldn't do, the way of living that we fall short of, the things that we condemn ourselves for and others, have been dealt with in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. It's absolutely incredible for us. We are free from fear and shame. We are free from guilt. Why? Because God has put his spirit into our hearts. As we talked about last week, the spirit and the power that raised Jesus from the dead has been poured into our hearts through Jesus Christ. Because on the cross, Jesus dealt with sin and failure and completely removed it. He paid the price. He 
he dealt with the cost and bore upon himself. He condemned condemnation. I love that line Romans 8. He condemned sin in the flesh. So that we are forgiven and justified, and that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. I want to sit with this passage just for a little while this morning, if that's okay. I um, hope it speaks into your soul. I hope these words sink deep into your soul because it's so easy to forget. So easy to get back into that pattern of condemning ourselves and let your fears and your shame and your regret speak louder in this passage, this truth. I pray that you receive this incredible promise as a gift. There is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. Through baptism, you died, you've been healed, you've been cleansed and restored. And now you're clothed, clothed with Christ, with his life and his glory. That's who you are. Even this morning, as you live in the tension between the old and the new. There's um, lots of been, been written about this passage from Romans 8, chapter 1. One of the best things I read about it during the week was that this is a passage worth memorising. This is a passage worth sitting with and repeating. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This passage speaks profoundly of the Gospel. It speaks of the truth of the work of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It speaks about our new identity in Him. It speaks about our freedom from the law and the new life of the Spirit. And the incredible truth of this passage is that it is founded 100% completely on the grace of God. It is His work that He has done on our behalf. He doesn't promise that he's going to pay the uh, 99999 dollars if we pay, pay the one. He doesn't promise that if we start, he will finish. He doesn't say that if you promise to do this, then I'll do this. He says, what you will power us to do, I will do on your behalf. Freely, by grace, 100% my work. He says, come, I will do it. Come and receive the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you weren't able to do, what you've fallen short of, I have done, and I freely give it to you. Life, forgiveness, restoration. It is the work of God from beginning to end for all those who have received it. So, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes you continue to make, no matter the struggles that you still have, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Whatever the debt, or the sin, or the mistake, or the evil, or the pattern, or the habit, it has been paid. You are free. You are saved. Released. It's an incredible, unconditional promise. I know for a fact 
just by the way of averages, really. Not, not because of my spiritual insight, but maybe there, there is some spiritual insight here as well. I know for a fact that more than one person needs to hear this message this morning. There is no condemnation for you. The free gift of God is yours. You are free from guilt and from shame. I hope that truth will seep a little deeper into your consciousness this morning. I hope that this is a promise that you can memorize and repeat. Uh, the, what are they called, Brent Collective song, I will speak the gospel to my fears. What is that the line? What's the line? Karen knows the line. What's the line, Karen? This is, this is the truth that you can speak into your fears when things are dark. These are the truth. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. On the night that Jesus was arrested, he took off his robe, he knelt before his disciples, and he washed their feet. He said, You don't understand what I'm doing right now. But later you'll understand. After my death, after my resurrection, after the gift of the Spirit, you will understand what this symbolic act of washing your feet means. That I have cleansed you and set you free. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the heart of the gospel. What we were powerless to do, God has done for us. Instead of treating us as we deserved, as our sins deserved, God has, in his grace, come and treated us as his beloved children, according to his great love. In this truth, we have incredible joy. We are free to break the cycles and the chains of self-condemnation and sin. So let me finish. Romans 8 goes on. And the chapter ends with these words. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charges against those that God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one condemned? Who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We have considered the sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's uh, pray together with joy and thankfulness that what we could not do, God has done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incredible gift that you have freely given us.
that there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you that there is nothing that can separate us from your love and your grace. We thank you that there is nothing that we can do or have done that can change the fact that you have given your grace and your love to us, that you have made us your children, that you have not only forgiven us and set us free, but you have blessed us with the gift of your spirit. You have made us heirs with Jesus. Lord, we are um, in awe of your goodness and your grace to us. And so this morning we come to you and we say thank you. We celebrate with joy the freedom that we have. And we honour and worship you. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. You are holy and faithful and true. Your grace goes beyond anything and we worship you. Amen. <laughs> right, well, I'm just waiting for our kids to come back in. I am um, going to queue up the song by Bach so that you can enjoy that. I'm not going to make you sit and listen to it. It will just be on in the background. You can have a chat to the people around us and then when our kids come back, we're, uh, we're going to share what they've been learning together. So have a chat. I'm going to play this song and uh, enjoy.